0: Welcome to The Player's Podcast. This is your host, Coach Noser. The Player's Podcast is brought to you by the Salem Hoof Project. The Salem Hoof Project provides free basketball training for kids in Northeast Salem. It's our firm conviction that no child should lack athletic opportunity because of financial limitations. For more information, visit SalemHoofProject.org. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you have any questions about improving your game on and off the court... Contact us on Twitter at SLM Hoops Project or on Instagram at Salem Hoops Project. Now on to the show.
1: When we're on the floor plan, I'm only going to have the ball 5% of the time. The other 95%, I'm not going to have it. So what sense does it make for us to work on ball handling and shooting right now?
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Why am I not working on screening? Why am I not working on uh, that? So, yeah, I can send that to you later if
0: you want. Yeah, you should.
1: Yeah, it's off the hook, though. I mean, it's just... I think all it should be like prerequisite for teaching basketball that you watch this first. If not, my whole school thought is that I've got to work on my ball hand, my shooting, my ball hand's not that good. You're not going to have a ball in your hand that long mm-hmm. to do anything with the ball.
0: So, where does that fit into
1: uh... the players we're seeing do that? Are the, these are the, yes, the best. This is the, you know, the Marcus to on I'm saying uh-huh. for our right yeah, here, yeah, yeah. AD, the skinnies, these. These are what they're going to do because mm-hmm. they got the ball in their hand a lot, um, and even those players, the cap is—I mean, we talk about five, seven percent.
0: And the higher level you get, the less and less. Yeah, it, it just
1: keeps—it keeps diminishing, and diminishing. So now, I feel like it makes more sense to master the ninety-five percent, and then let's pick up the other five percent on the back end. Mm-hmm. That's my school of thought and the foundation how I teach basketball. Now, when I first started doing this in two thousand two, it was. Come on, we're gonna do our ball handling. We're gonna mm-hmm. pass. We gotta shoot. We're gonna do that. I'm gonna get you in good condition, but and we're still gonna do some defensive stuff. But that's the lion's share of what we're gonna do. Yeah, ball handling and shooting. It's, I'm like almost, you know, I'm the I'm the guy saying, "Praise the Lord, come to Jesus," and I'm on the corner in Vegas. I'm totally, yeah, on. The, I'm an outlier in comparison to what what's teaching basketball. So I mean, we got some good numbers in here now, but most part, people want to hear the stuff we're saying.
0: Yeah, uh, they want to see their kid dribble like
1: Kyrie. But I heard this from Tom Thibodeau. How do you affect a unit, a unit and how do you work within a unit? Mm-hmm. That's the name of the game. If I tell you to handle the ball and shoot, you're not gonna have it that much. We're, we're working backwards. Mm-hmm. How can I work with others? If I am ball handling, do I beat my guy to find you, yeah. to get you open? Or is it just me to go get open, and do a step back and pivot, pivot, turn around, fade away?
0: That's the, I think that's the danger in kids trying to dribble like Kyrie, just for example, because how many people in the NBA have his freedom? No. And so you think you're going to have his freedom, like everybody's going to have his freedom on their team? It takes no. a lot to earn that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and it's, I mean, granted he deserves, he's earned it, but even with that being said, you know, I, when I came up under the, in the game, they were telling you, what can you do in two or three dribbles? Mm-hmm. So I mean this is just how the game was taught. There wasn't no crossover, crossover, between legs, step back, UTEP two step, boom. Uh, you know, let me see what I can do. It was kinda like boom, boom, it didn't work, you gotta give it up. Yeah. So that's just a, was a standard. And that was the way the game was played. If you look in the late eighties and early nineties, it didn't matter who you're watching, that's how they played. Mm-hmm. They got shot mid range shots. There was one or two guys that really shot the ball well and they would shoot out the three. Mm-hmm. What's it going what's happening now? Yeah, they shoot. So when I was just in LA talking with Nigel Williams Goss and his dad, his dad kind of got a lot of thoughts I think just kind of outside the box. And he goes back into the little basketball reference thing and looks in 1978 or 79 when they put the three-point line on the floor in the NBA. And at that time, every team shot an average of two three-pointers per game. That's crazy. The, the average was 111. Points. Or 109 points. And today they shoot 33 per game. And it's... It's no, 111, it's only two points more okay. for 33 or 31 additional three-pointers.
0: You know that game, the Nuggets Pistons, the win like highest scoring game mm-hmm. in, in the league. Yeah. Uh, my buddy sent me the box score of that one three-point made.
1: So, so look so look at this stuff right here. I mean, if you talk to a big group of people right now, they say you have to shoot the three-point. Mm-hmm. Come on, man, look at the analytics, look at this stuff. And I'm going, that's just not, I don't think the game, I think a lot of these three-pointers being shot are terrible shots They're not good shot selection. Mm-hmm. And then you go, okay, this guy, he's a power forward that doesn't really rebound well. Well, but he's a decent shooter. We'll say you're a stretch four. So because you do something negatively, we'll shine it up and make it look positive. Yeah. No, we'll just teach you how to rebound and defend. <laughs> and you can shoot the jumper.
0: Now you're, now you're more dynamic.
1: Now you're, you might be called Draymond Green or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can affect the game in so many more ways. And that's the thing, we saw it in the Portland series here with Draymond Green the thing that he was doing. I mean, that was like Michael Jordan, like you're affecting the game in so many levels that you are unstoppable. And we think of unstoppable like, man, he pulled up like litter and he's got Mm -hmm. 55. No. Um, John Rondo a few years ago, they played against the Blazers in the first round. And he had like two or four points, but he had like 26 assists. Mm -hmm. Let's break that down. So he had uh, four points. There's, There's four points. If he had 26 assists, how many did he count for?
0: Times two, maybe three. Yeah,
1: well and we can that's we gotta do the bottom, the twenty six mm-hmm. times two, what is that, fifty two or whatever yeah. the number, and then we have to do the, the times three, and so it's it's a window. So somewhere between fifty two and this, and then we add that four points on it. Let's say if you had seven rebounds. The way my brain thinks is go, I could say you accounted for potentially fourteen points to twenty one points. Why? If we got that rebound back, that could've you earlyed it up the floor, now we scored. So your, your, your rebound can help us turn something to points. Or I rebounded, I passed to you, you found
0: the guy. And if I remember correctly, he was getting a lot of steals that series too, so.
1: I mean, so we started looking at, well, so-and-so had 35, but this guy had 14 assists, seven rebounds. I mean, we could break these numbers down and just go, man, this guy could count for like 79 points. Just being on the floor, but it doesn't look like that to the naked eye. Two points, not a score. Yeah, like he didn't really do that. Well. I was like,
0: need to upgrade at the point. You no, know, like
1: he's deciding just not to shoot that to find a better shot. But th- this, is, this is obscure stuff, man. People yeah. aren't really thinking like that. I think some of the greatest players aren't. Yeah. But um, it's a matter of how we can do that. So, for me, if I'm building up a player, we have to learn this 95%. percent we got to learn how you work with a unit. Then I can help keep you on the floor in the play. And within that, then we can find where you – it's kind of like playing jazz where you can break off in solo. Yeah. The way the game's taught is that everybody's trying to solo. How are we playing sweet music?
0: For a, while, for a while I stopped training people because I got frustrated with that. I'm like, I'm training all these people to score and that's it. Like, I just can't do it. Like, I got to stop. I had to get away.
1: It's good. I, and I think you got to find out where your school of thought for is. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, some of this stuff was already ingrained in me because I played the game like yeah, this. Yeah. But you look it and go like, well, I got him. It doesn't matter. I felt like I was, it was a negative if I wasn't teaching them ball handling stuff. I'm literally telling you, we didn't do any ball handling today. Yeah. We've been here for we, – we stayed here, we got here 1230. Well, we had, was 245 or whenever they finished playing. We didn't do no ball handling today. You, you can figure it out on your own, but we did a ton of screening. We did a ton of cutting. We did a ton of closeouts. We, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. These are things that are going to affect the game. We worked on your shooting so much, but you only got two shots spent the whole summer shooting. His shot's a lot better. He only shot two shots. Are oh, you seeing what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, my handles are a lot better. Well, the ball's in Skinny's hands,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know?
0: Let's start with this question then. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead to my list here. Uh, just from kind of what we're talking about and when you started, you talked about when you played and how the game was and how it is now. Even when I played, when I was in high school my first three years, the instructions were do not put the ball in the yeah, you. I went to McNary McNary
1: McNary. I know about that. That's was, Kaiser. Right? One yeah.
0: One. And that's what it was. Do not put the ball on the ground. Yeah. Pass shoot and screen and cut. Yeah. But now, I mean, one of the observations of the state tournament, every team almost initiates the offense with the ball with attacking. the dribble. Yep. And when I was playing, I'm sure when you were playing, the offense was initiated with the pass probably with the screen first.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of it, sometimes we pass to the post. Yes. That's something yes. that's kind of weird that doesn't mm-hmm. happen now as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, pass, screen away, motion, or mm-hmm. flex. I, we did flex at Jefferson sometimes. Yeah. So I got to play in a bunch of different um, settings through the high school time, but it's just, it's just changed. And I think the, or actually I want to say the game changed. Things are influenced more. The game don't really change. Yeah. The game is what it is. We can go, okay. Carl Malone, Stockton, they were in the pick and roll, really was just them. The pick and roll was a play you can do, it was called two-man game, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't something that was like, just pounded and pounded fast, a lot of move without the ball. Now, um, you know, if we go back, maybe six, seven years back or a little bit more, it's like, whoa, a lot of on-ball screens, a lot of on-ball screens, a lot of on-ball screens is I believe it's starting to taper down now, and now we're getting some more movement or people attack Mm -hmm. off the drills, not as much ISO stuff. So things get enhanced or influenced more doesn't change like oh, James is different now. Like, well, okay, yeah, we shoot more threes now. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can evolve and, and go back to where we look at things more. But that's the way the game is now. I don't think that that's smart. Um, you talk about basketball IQ. For me, that, that's a collection of decisions. It's the decisions you make on the floor. That's basketball IQ. Um, so these games we play are training game, training games for decisions. Mm-hmm. But that, how much is that being influenced when a coach is teaching them? I don't care about you shooting any threes right now because the chances are you're not going to get a chance to do a whole bunch of that or how much you can ISO a player. But if you know how to space out, you know how to cut and move without the ball, you know how to screen, you can play with a lot of players. Let's start you there. Let's get you to mass S. Another important factor, let's get your voice going. How many people are influencing you to tell you that you need to speak? But if I'm not scoring – do I feel like I'm impacting or affecting the game. Mm -hmm. I want to show you in these nine or ten other ways that you can do it that don't even go down the scoring route. And so a lot of times when parents are here in the gym, I'm making sure I'm screaming out so the parents hear it. But it's like, parents, if you want to help your kid out, stop telling them to be aggressive and shoot and look for your shot. Tell them to go find open guy. Tell them to set screens. Tell them to run the floor hard. Tell them to uh, space out better. Tell them to better closeouts. Make sure you box your guy out. If you want to give instructions, but don't tell them to go shoot. That's what a parent's going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I say this stuff out loud because I want that to be known. Your kid's hearing your voice over anybody's. It's innate. You made this kid. <laughs> so, it's a collection of your decisions that you make on the floor. Now, i got to figure out the game. i got to learn the game to learn how to make what's a good decision what's a bad decision. A lot of people are just making decisions. Euro step, what are you Euro stepping for? Why don't you just jump stop? Well, oh, I don't know about that. Okay, you went to level seven. Level one is jump stops. Mm-hmm. Levels. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't teach college players to do euro steps. Just being honest with you, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the proper footwork right now. Now, if you're in the NBA or you're a pro, you should have two-foot jump stops mastered. Let's teach you some different ways to finish. You're a little bit more athletic now. You can. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's a process in the way we should be training players. I feel like it's backwards. We do these difficult things: euro steps, step backs, shooting threes, all these things, which are here, but we don't do. Who do you think works on layups? Who
0: do you think works on? Who layup? do you think
1: works on layups right now? Just if we say players, you like man? Oh yeah, they go shoot layups every day. No, players go work on their jumper if they're going to go work on something. Mm-hmm. They they will omit working on layups. What type of shot do you think you're probably going to get an opportunity to shoot more of in a game? I think layups. I think layups. Players don't work on those. So what happens? A lot of layups get missed in games, too. You want to get your points? You want to feel good about yourself? You could be doing that by getting layups. So so it's it's starting with level one. If we can do this process here, level one, level two, we build your foundation, this is going to help make you a smarter player. This is going to help make you make better decisions. I'm jumping all over the place, level six, one, five. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Euro step, two. Uh, I'm doing some things that are basic, some things that are very advanced. I'm, like, confusing my development. It's, yeah. it's not incremental and it's not a process. But you got to have somebody who knows how to teach the game to do that. And any, at this type of area, anybody can say, watch some YouTube videos and write some things down on paper, pull out some cones and balls, and get a group of kids in the gym and have them do it. But They won't necessarily know what they're teaching.
0: Yeah. You talked about – levels and building iq uh if i don't have like if i don't think i'm getting that teaching or maybe you know whatever i'm limited in my teaching who can i watch what teams can i watch what players can i watch and if i'm watching the nba and i'm a high school player how can i translate that because the styles of games are a
1: little bit different yeah no i think you gotta uh, i say to i said it today to my kids Hopefully when I'm teaching basketball, I can help you to decipher between what's the difference between good basketball and bad basketball. So that kind of somewhat answered that question. But um, the Spurs perennially in the past will be a team that play good basketball. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of movement and stuff there, but I still would pop in the front office who it is there. They're going to get back to what is the fiber of, their tr- of the tradition and how they play the game. But obviously the Warriors, I mean, I think that the Spurs first influenced them with moving without the ball so much, and then they took it and put it on steroids, having younger players, they're a little bit more talented, but playing that same brand, why? Kerr came from that Mm -hmm. cloth. So, uh, you know, I think Milwaukee played some good basketball, when Budenholzer used to be with Atlanta, um, and a lot of those influences you start seeing is coming back full circle to those Budenholzer with the Spurs. So there's a lot of influence there, and those guys, Their front office and Popovich and R.C. Buford, those guys have been there, you know, for a couple decades. I don't know if any other organizations have had a front office and a coach and people that have been there that long. Um, But that's from the NBA standpoint. Um, It's just hard nowadays. You know, you're watching guys like Steve Nash that knows how to play, Mm -hmm. you know, go back to Stockton. For me, one of my favorite players that's kind of around this era that's still playing is John Rondo. Yeah. Um, But I think you got it. when I was coming up, you know, there was something about watching how Carl Malone and Stockton, it was, they're doing this play and they can kind of keep doing it and it works. And then also, I'm looking at Stockton. He was the guy that kind of helped me. I look at a card of his and I see it's six foot one. I'm like, well, I'm six foot one. <laughs> I go, I'm, but I'm a small forward. And it said on the card, he's a point guard. And it I was looks like, tiny
0: out there. Yeah,
1: and I, that's the thing. It just didn't stay. And I go, well, I guess I had to be a point guard uh, now. And so there, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm just. Trial and error and trying to figure it out, but I started with a pretty good push. And it's not hard to look at like Magic Johnson, yeah, seeing if I could go, I'm not 6'9. But some of the things he's doing, just looking for the open guy and pushing the ball and having fun and playing with passion, yeah. you, can, you can pull these things out of there.
0: That's great. So it's
1: like you got to know what you're looking for. I'm kind of unapologetic when a kid's been playing so long. You know, let's say you started playing sixth, seventh grade, and now you're already you, – so you got some talent. You're already playing AAU, and now you're – you played varsity as a freshman or sophomore. At this point, if you're saying to me, like, I'm not going to have much compassion, you're oh, I don't really know what the game is like. You've been playing all this advanced stuff, AAU. You're now playing varsity and all this different stuff. How did you go this far without getting the basics? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said. Some of there's a part of it, maybe coddling or whatever, but it's like – the truth has to get said to these kids in order for them to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, it might ruffle their feathers, it might make them uncomfortable, but that's gotta be said if they're going down the wrong direction. But a lot of these kids, they get going full speed ahead, doing all this stuff and not having even thought about the development process. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, well, you're moving full speed ahead, but then now you wanna be humble and you need, and you need help. Take, take your time, let's go step by step through this. Um, but not a lot of coaches are going to do this stuff like you saw here today, but you have to know the game. So, I, I'm obsessed with studying the game to learn new things. And I've got relationships that you get around the game for long enough, you know. I've got buddies who coach in the NBA. I've got buddies who have been around Team USA and stuff, all this stuff. So, you got resources. You can start picking their brain. You can start getting the idea. I look at what trends are. I think we're getting out of the on-ball screen trend, and it's going to be more moving without the ball they're already shooting more threes. You want to start being on the front end of that so that now I can start teaching that so that my kids are on the front end of it. Mm-hmm. That, does it make sense? Yeah, that make sense? Yeah, like years ago, the on ball screens wasn't, and then whoever started teaching that stuff had an opportunity. Well, I was already going out to the Blazer practice facility from 1998, 99, and was doing that for almost 10 years. So I'm here in NBA. There's already picking rolls there. I'm learning how to blue screens, this is like ice screens, yeah. down screens. This is 1998. The colleges are just now that that's a part of what they do where they down screens or ice them and blew them. I, I learned this a couple decades ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, when you start, if you start teaching that developmentally, do you see how you could create an yeah. edge? Um, and I was around a guy back then named um, Tim Gergerich, who's pretty much like the top guy at player development. So, I got to learn that stuff from him as a young guy. So, it's not cones on the floor stuff. It would my mind cuz I'm going, man, we're not doing drills. He's doing like pinch post action or running dummy pick and roll so you can see what the pattern of it looks to make to make your reads. Um, so he did a lot of stuff where you would be playing within a game situation. I liked that a lot cuz yeah. I said that 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 made total sense to me. I can put you out here on a cone and drill moves and then what if I guarding you now jam you. You're your, your trainer didn't tell you about that. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, good job. That's what I'm talking about, way to go. Way to go, yeah, 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 he's pumping you up, but he didn't tell you that I could just decide to armbar you and the ref would not call that a foul. Then what? What's your contingency plan? So when we're doing the attack moves out right here, I'm like, oh, that's fake. You got to get low, you got to touch the floor, you got to be aggressive, and then we're going to put some bodies out there. We're not going to put a cone. The cone's not moving. So it's, we can push pause on this one-on-one stuff. It's just more difficult to teach. Mm-hmm. But what do you think is happening on a larger scale? That's all that's being taught. Yeah. How much give and go is being taught. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So
0: uh, so for kids out there, do you, do you recommend, because right now kids are playing, what, 50 games in a year? Oh, man. From the fourth grade going up, like. It's way too many. I mean, if, if, you, had, if you could create the basketball blueprint for youth, what would, what would you recommend to kids?
1: Well, I I think they need to stop playing in the um, outside. I mean, it should just be during the basketball season. If I'm youth, if you're third grade through eighth grade, why are you playing in fall league that starts in September, October? Then we're going into the regular season, November through March. Then we're going to go spring, March to June. Then we're going to play June, July, you know, Vegas and all that stuff. So really now I'm going to get August off and then we turn it back around. Just have it be. November to March. And then outside of that, they're developing. Um, but it's club basketball, and this, this is now a business. Yeah. If we change this model, we're taking a lot of food out of people's mouths and money, people aren't going to just relent. Do you, know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but there's got to be a model set up. It shouldn't just be, you know, a buffet. We're going to play basketball on stop. Kobe just said the other day, he did the video on ESPN. He's like, man, I started playing, I probably played in five AAU tournaments in all my life. You know, I played in like two, my junior year. I played one. (laughs) So this, so when I hear Kobe saying that, it makes me go, okay, well, dang, well then you don't have to be a slave to it. There are benefits Mm to AAU, and I believe it's, it's, there's two pillars in it, development and recruiting. If you're not being developed in it, and you're not being recruited, It makes no sense for you to be doing. We go well. um, The guy is developing well. Are you a recruitable athlete? Are you being recruited? Have you even received an email or no? You got to keep developing. You got to get out of AAU. So you have to be able to answer those two questions first. If not, you're a bad singer, and we keep bringing you on American Idol. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 You had to go with a vocal coach and then we'll bring you back to the trial. Maybe you might make the last cut, or maybe you'll be one before the cut, then we keep getting you better. But a lot of kids, they go out there and they're like, oh man, I played pretty well, but nobody offered me. That means you're not good enough. I have no problem saying that. I tell a kid, man, you feel upset? I'm going to go get my pizza right now. I'm feeling good. (laughs) Like, so I don't feel bad about that. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you that because I care about you. I want you to get better. But in this era, a lot of adults, they look like they want to be friends with the kids. You're not my peer. I'm here to teach you. Not hopefully in eight years you'll come back and be like, man, thank you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I cared about you. That's why I said I didn't say 'cause I didn't like you, but I could be your friend now. And then you're gonna come back in ten years and be like, man, that dude screwed my life up, man. He was trying to be my buddy. He just wanted to make me feel good. He should have been telling me to go harder. I went to high school. Guys that died, or murdered. Mm -hmm. Guys so. I've seen people's lives be derailed for a coach not saying just the right thing. Yeah. If I get you mad, then now you don't want to play for me or you want to transfer. I could care less about that. Yeah. Like I said, I'm going to go get some mob pizza after. It's good
0: stuff. <laughs> 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 what, do you, uh, what do you recommend for kids who are, you know, they're looking for an AAU team or, like, what, what should they go in looking for to say, this is a quality program that's going to help me as a player? And not just take my money. You gotta
1: answer those first two questions, member. Mm-hmm. Yep. You gotta make sure that you're getting developed and you, it, to get better, and then are you a recruit? If not, you don't need to be playing AAU. You need to go play for your Madison youth team or Tualatin youth team or whatever, South Salem youth team. You need to play for your school youth team that your neighborhood is a couple middle schools. Do you get what I'm saying? Yep. They all play and keep developing. And then on your own, go play pickup. You can find older players. That doesn't cost any money. Why do I have to go? It turns into a vacation. You're going with your friends. We're in the pool. We're going to you know, Red Robin, and, and then we played some games, and, and we come back. We're supposed to come down here. When we come back, you, get your, you have gotten better, and you're getting recruited now. Mm-hmm. You know, two coaches are calling you now um, that weren't calling you before. If that's not happening, we have to get you out of here to get developed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, first, look at getting developed. Now, there's plenty of choice around here. I have plenty of choices to go where to eat. I need to find out where the healthy food is at. Mm-hmm. So, I could go to Mod, I could go to McDonald's, Laugh and plant it. Where is that at? Oh, we you know, we got to go over here to Belmont, or we got to go down to the Pearl District, or I could go to Nectar. These aren't places that's just on every corner like McDonald's. You have to find them. Yeah, you got to do your due diligence. Well, who's been? Developing players around here. I do not say trainers. Trainers tape ankles and do that stuff, and knees stretch you out before the game and make sure you're loose and limber. I, I'm, a, I'm a basketball teacher. I don't even say coach. I want to teach you the whole game, not just one-on-one moves and stuff. And so that's, well, he's a good trainer. Well, that's a coach. It's all the same. You're supposed to teach basketball. Coaching in games and coaching development mentally. that's all-inclusive. It's not that guy's a workout guy. That guy's an O guy. That guy's a, you know, he's a leader. You're, this, this is the job. You're supposed to do all those things within the job. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, this,
0: great.
1: It's, that's not what happens. You're not supposed to have to be one role and the other people will figure it out. When these kids come to you, the name of the game is get me better. Make me better. Okay. Well, you, you, you coming in. This guy averages 20 here. We might do some one-on-one stuff with him. For you, man, you just need to pass and screen away. If you do that, you might stay on the floor. Mm-hmm. Ain't that what you want to do? Let's keep you on the floor. Or, okay, mom told you to shoot, or dad did. He really got on you need to be aggressive. Now you go shoot and you turn it over, and your only response is going to be, well, Matt turns it over too. Why are you taking me out? Matt's averaging 20. You average four. I can deal with some of his turnovers. Mm-hmm. He, but these are all car- – I'd rather have these conversations and get them out the way yeah. than let them linger on. Um, it's okay to say somebody's better. I feel like we avoid that. And if you don't like that, then go- I told Gary Jackson, man, he's better than you. Steven Madison's better than you. We call him Potsy. I say he's better than you. Now what? If you only, oh, well, I'm the player of the year as at- my junior out in the Metro League. What's that mean? He wasn't the player of the year, but he's better than you. And If you don't like that, work harder.
0: Yeah, And Show that's us. What- Show somebody. That's
1: what he did. <laughs> it's okay to tell somebody you're better than them. I mean, or to let them know where they stand at so they can, they can start from that spot to get better.
0: Well, well I, I would want to know if somebody's better than me so I can go at it. That's what – I mean, you talked about finding pickup games. That was the best thing for me when I, was, when I was not very good was going to find the next guy. This guy's better than me. I start, me I start competing and I start out playing. Okay, this guy's better than me. The and you keep ball. moving up, and yeah. you find your way. And that's what helped me as a player. And I heard you just tell that to your guys as they left the gym today. To like, all of them. Get out there, like, don't be the best player in the gym. Find somebody else.
1: Find it. well here, that's the thing, is because it's a lot of insecurities, mm-hmm. and we're hitting on it. How many gyms do you go into where you are the worst player? Like, you could say it. So what I mean by that is if we got, like, Alex Schumacher, okay, he was just a two-time player of the year in the uh, GM, whatever, GSHL conference over there. You're going to a top-level Division II school. If you went and played against, you know, guys that played at Oregon, Oregon State, and a few NBA guys, you're the worst on the floor. Figure it out now. Maybe by the time you leave the gym, you like, you know, out of the 15 there, you're like 11. You ain't the worst. Okay, you got better. Come back again. Now, maybe a few people pick you up in the first game. You know that that's real when you get picked up early because they look and they value your game. These kids don't put themselves in that situation. They'll look at it like, you know, it's a personal slight. Ada Woods came here a few weeks ago, and he didn't get picked up. He goes, man, I feel like they're punking me. I said, that's good you're feeling like that. That was my response. That's good you're feeling like that. Now what are you going to do? If you don't like that, when you get on next, beat them and say, you should have picked me up. That's you teaching a lesson. But no, you're going to complain. You're not going to change anything. You're going to change your mental makeup. You're now getting softer. You're now getting mentally weaker. You're now creating excuses for yourself. But that's, there's a reason why them guys keep coming back, man. I've only been working with Aiden now for like a year and a half. Same thing with Beeks. Uh, there's people that they've been with before for seven, five, six years. Why they not go with those guys? I'm telling these guys the truth, man. But I believe in what they do. I believe they got ability. But you got to tell them the truth. Uh, it gets avoided a lot in these days. You have to, like, practice that, being bold, saying things like, oh, that's going to un- make him uncomfortable. The more I just do it. It's almost like you're excited to say it. This is kind of sounds weird, but this is how I know we're going to get better. Mm-hmm. You don't know it. You're feeling uncomfortable now. I'm going to keep putting you into it. Next you know, we'll get over this hump in like a month from now or something, and you'll see you're getting better, which then hopefully you want to jump in more. Uh, but I can't avoid it to make you feel warm and fuzzy.
0: Well, as a kid, you got to be able to accept the truth too, like not be in your own head. I mean. That's what saved me and helped me become actually a decent player was I had a coach tell me, you're overweight, you're slow, that's you can't guard anybody, all you can do is shoot, you now need to figure it out. It's like, now what? And I was like, oh. <laughs> so He said, that's how you really
1: feel, my man. <laughs> yeah, so, so
0: thank goodness I wanted it and I figured it out. But had I not, I could have just quit. And like, this coach is a hater, I'm out of here, you know.
1: Well, and so just what you just said, like that sentence, I believe that that happens a lot. Uh, in this area. I that's like, now I feel like the old man. I know I've crossed the line because I'm like, oh, these kids, these you know? it's like, I, I don't want to always come off like that. But it's like, I hear that type of statement a lot. Like if somebody tells you the truth, like, pshaw, oh, you're wrong, man. You know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go over here. Well, you can go around long enough till you find somebody that's going to say everything you want them to say. And then that does that necessarily the right thing? Why does it have to be wrong? Because you don't necessarily want to hear that right now. But this, these are. We're either developing these habits, or you're developing these habits. One way or another, you are. Do you think a person who makes a lot of excuses thinks they're an excuse person? If I make a lot of excuses, do I think that I'm a guy that makes a lot of excuses? No. <laughs> and
0: if I tell you are, you got to. Hey man, get out
1: you? my way, man. No, no, I was tired, anyways. I was like, but <laughs> I don't make excuses, so th- that's the thinking, yeah. you know. And I, and I believe you can rewire most anything, man. You know, neuroplasticity is what it's called. Okay, okay? we can get going this direction. If we do the right things, we can rewire and fix it. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to be a little bit harder because we've created a habit in here. We got to back up out of it and then now go in the right direction. Um, but I'm big on that. You know, when we're teaching kids to develop instead of coming here and doing ball handling and shooting. We're going to do layups, guarding off the ball, guarding screens, and moving without the ball. Now what? I'm Very positive, if you went to ten gyms, they're not doing that in it. Mm It would be rare if they were. Um, But if you went in, like you just said, you're going to see cones on the floor and wires and um, ladders and different contraptions and stuff. Um, Hey, man, let's get you to the NBA. And when you get there, whatever they put on the floor, you just do what they do because you're locked and loaded then. Mm -hmm. But for now, we have to keep this, in my mind, as authentic as possible. Everybody's not going to be a ball-in-hand guy. Klay Thompson scored 43 points and took four dribbles. Do you think he can't dribble? I'm asking you.
0: Oh, he can dribble for
1: sure. He played point guard at um, Washington State as a 6'7 guard. (laughs) Played for Ken Bone, who's a good friend. I don't call him Ken Bone, I call him the Bone Collector. He played for a friend of mine, so he played point guard there. So why is he deciding to only dribble four times? That guy is not that smart. He should be dribbling more. If he can score 43 or four dribbles, imagine if he took 25 dribbles, right? No. He's outsmarting everybody. He's figuring out I can do this. Why do I need to? I can dribble by and you can bump me and bump me and I can try to get an M1 or I can pass it, you could overplay and I go back door and I lay it up. See, like that took a lot less effort.
0: He's and, on, it, and he's on a team with players that are willing to do that. Yes. You know. Yes.
1: Yes. But I think he play everybody plays their game. Yeah. And yes, once we get on a team, and if guys play a certain way, it can enhance that, mm-hmm. but Clay I think R.D. E. was a guy who was moving without the ball. Yeah. So, it just makes – me moving without the ball can make your job easier.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I space out more. Now you're driving to the basket. Then I kick out my guy helps and I, I hit the – you know what I mean? I can make things for you a lot easier just by me spacing, moving without the ball, setting screens and whatnot.
0: I've told that to guys a lot. A player will cut and get out and then it opens up a lane for a layup. I'm like, you better say thank you for cutting him because if he didn't – That was an assist. Right there.
1: Now – if you're mom and dad in the stands, you know, you look like some, you know, bum. Oh man, he just told you to cut the way. It means you suck. That's what <laughs> they hear. And it's like, nah. without you cutting, he didn't score. Yeah. Good job. That was like Rondo, man. That was an assist. Yeah. Big time. And you, but you got to have a coach that teaches these things and, and does it. Like I watched my guy Caleb today, and I watched him cut out. He was open up there, and get, I said, Caleb, good job. You getting open is a great skill to have. Keep getting open. There's nothing wrong with getting open. Know how to do that. Everybody don't know how to get open. You know what I mean? So, everybody thinks if I got open, once I get open once, I get it once. I get it times. no, no, no. Get open four times, you get the ball once. You know, me and you, let's say we're friends. We got a relationship. Man, I say something negative to you, to write that negative, you got to do seven emotionally positive responses to us to even it out. Seven to one. Seven to one. I think it's really similar in the game of basketball. If I think I want the ball once, I need to just be screening and cutting, you know five to seven times, yeah. and then maybe I'm not saying I'm not looking for it every time, but expect it. Uh, everybody expects it every time they move. I didn't get it, why should I cut? Mm, man, who are you? <laughs> You're really good. <laughs> we got to give it to you every time. So you see a Clay Thompson do this and shoot and get four dribbles, look how impactful he is.
0: Yeah.
1: And now when he's just moving around like that, think of how much people are watching him and then, oh, Guy gets a back door over here, Steph Curry gets open for a three here because you worried about him so much screening and a buddy of mine is real close with the Gold State Warriors, a guy named Chuck Teasey, works with Nike. He's that uh, a lot of their practice, he says Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are the two best screeners on the planet. It's like that stuff pumps me up and lets me know I'm on the right, I'm on the <laughs> right track, you know what I mean? And I reach out to these guys to get the feedback, you know. What's going on at Train camp at Team USA training? I can hear the feedback. I can get real-time answers of what's going on, um, and then I can bring that back in here with them. Mm-hmm. Um, all these kids got aspirations and dreams and stuff, but they got to, if you want to do this, let's do this the right way. I'm not going to be these other ten guys that you're used to that's going to make you feel warm and fuzzy and, and be leading you down the wrong road. I'm telling you, this is going to work we got guys before that's been paving this path for, you know, we're almost going on two decades now. Uh, this, this stuff can work if you do it. How can you affect the unit? How do you work in a unit? How many players do you think ask that question to themselves?
0: None. <laughs> oh, man.
1: So, that's – I mean, these are the things – this is God's work, man. we gotta, we got to teach. If not, the game is going to get ruined. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already see it right now. Look at – look how much – Notoriety James Harden's getting. That is bad basketball, you know, no, no, matter, no matter what. And you go, well, no, no, it ain't. We can, let's argue. Let's debate it. Why didn't he win the championship? If he wins the championship, I'm, I wasn't a big fan of Michael Jordan early on. I know he was a talent, but I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing, like, about James Harden. I thought, man, this dude's trying to get his buckets. You know, it's great, 39, all stuff. As soon as whatever it was, that light bulb came on, because in that era they were saying whatever it was, they told him, you need to pass it, man. You got to make your teammates better. Phil Jackson was telling him, You got to make your teammates better. He did that. It was like immediate. Immediate. He was still unstoppable, and now all these guys were good. I mean, come on, man. We're not talking about like Kevin Durant and Draymond Greens. We're talking about Bill Cartwrights and Jeb Bushlers mm-hmm. and names that, you know, we could get a group of people in and they wouldn't be able to. Who's that? Who's Craig Hodges, man? I don't know who that is, you know? You know BJ Armstrong. Oh, he's an agent now, you know? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like, They wouldn't know these names. These aren't, like, household names. You know what I mean? You know it if you're a basketball chunky, but he was making those guys better. Uh, So this is how you have to play. That is the right way. That is a good brand of basketball. That's good basketball. Um,
0: Last thing I want to ask you. Yeah. If you have a – advice for young players, they're, they're saying and they're willing to do whatever it takes to become the best they can be, to get to the highest level they can get, yeah. what, are, what are a few pieces of advice you'd give them, whether it's, whether it's basketball related, mentality related, emotionally related, whatever it is, what are some things you think they need to do to be able to reach their highest level?
1: The number one thing I think that every player needs to do that is the foundation of your game is condition it. I think that's the one thing that every player avoids as much as possible. So that's the irony of it. That's the foundation of your game. So the reason Klay Thompson can run around that crazy and what is Klay Thompson known as? An elite defender, not a good defender. Mm-hmm. An elite like a handful of five to ten guys uh, in the NBA, that he's one of those guys. So how are you moving out the ball so much, shooting shots, making shots, and picking up the other team's best guy or one of them? Um, you got to be in good shape. So we got to start there learn the game enhance your iq get get your conditioner right start learning the game start i mean you got youtube you know, i had dictionaries and stuff like that I had sports i read articles in sports illustrated so if i get a sports illustrated how many basketball articles are in a sports illustrated
0: maybe one maybe one yeah
1: you know faces in the crowd look at something in the back or something might be one or two so i gotta find them so i'm looking in non-stop wants to find a story on John Stockton, to find a story on this guy, Steve Nash, something, and you find out, oh, well, they did this. Oh, he was dribbling tennis ball around thing. Oh, he did this many push-ups a day. I'm just finding the blueprint that would help get this guy to there. There's a part of it where, like I said, I'm unapologetic about it. These guys got so many resources in this day and age to do it. It doesn't make any sense. They got so many resources. Uh, you two. I mean, you can get, Instagram, I mean, there's videos and different things you can look on. You can get on certain podcasts. I mean, the Woes, you heard of that mm-hmm. podcast? I mean, come on, man.
0: It's one of my favorites.
1: Come on, man. I just, I just sent to a bunch of those players the Draymond Green one. That was from like over a year ago. But you got to hear these guys and what they're doing. They're giving you the blueprint. And it's more accessible to the players now than it ever was before, ever in the history of the game of you're basketball. talking about
0: saying these kids, like you're old. I say that too, like, man, these kids got everything. Yeah. I don't know. When you were young, probably felt the same way. To see, like, an old game, the NBA greatest games, and they show clips, yep. was like, stop everything. In like, yep. 30 minutes, I can see Magic vs. Bird. Yep. I wasn't, you know, I, was, I wasn't alive when that happened. And now you just go on YouTube. You can pull this up game, anything. Watch it all.
1: Anything. The whole game. The, them talking now. I mean, you can find so much different stuff, mm-hmm. different websites. Uh, what was it? Pick I mean, if you're a person, uh, Coach Nick, basketball. Uh, oh, it's all. It's, it's a YouTube channel where this guy he's got players, NBA coaches. He'll he'll break down like bluing ice, how to ice a pick, and he yeah, this is here Coach Nick right here, B ball breakdown. That's what it's called. Um, so you just got to jump out there and try to consume as much information as you can. That's for your basketball IQ. And then here, I talk about no drills. Start getting out and playing some pickup. That's t- to me how you just kind of come into the game. You don't ride the bat and start going, okay, well we're going to find a trainer, and get you in. Mm-hmm. I think that you come to it that way. And then as you find out, you know what, as I've been playing, I can't go left or I can't do this. You need to start assessing your game. And I always have them from the outside. And then now's the time where maybe I might seek out a trainer, but you still got to do your due diligence or a coach or a teacher who can teach the game, do your due diligence. You know, just, there's a lot of choices around here, but maybe everybody haven't been working with players and getting them from step one to step two, to step three. I said, the name of the game is making players better. It's not making money. It's not getting a big group of players in a gym is that if you come in with me, that player needs to trust that you're going to help them get better. Um, if I get you in better condition, wherever you're at right now with your game, your game will be better when you're in better condition if we didn't do anything else. These are things you want to recognize um, because I can see they can move the needle. If I got more skills than you and more IQ but I'm not in good condition and you're in really, really good condition, maybe not the best like you all, you can outlast me.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not going to make good decisions when I'm tired. I'm not going to be able to shoot when I'm tired. You see what I'm saying? That's the Robin factor. Robin wasn't skilled. Robin was in great condition. You know what the other thing he had? A wonderful basketball IQ. Now we can talk about competitiveness and toughness and stuff. I think part of conditioning can lead you into that. If I go out here and run a mile, and I did it in six minutes, and then the next time I try to run it in 5.30, the next time I try to run it in 5.15, and I'm pushing myself hard and hard. There's a lot of conversations I'm having in my mind as I run around each lap around the track. I might want to quit. I talk myself out of not quitting, I finish. I tell myself I can do better. You get what I'm saying? This is how you build mental toughness.
0: What's one book every athlete needs to read?
1: The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. Talks about how to build talent. Talks about building talent hotbeds. Um, Talk about the neuroscience of of building talent. That he he brings up like uh, uh, Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan saying how they can myelinate their neurons. It basically makes them work more efficiently. Now, we can do this negatively or positively, if that makes sense. but your best, as, when I'm doing things the right way, with intent, working my hardest, um, putting in that 10,000 hours or 10 years, that's the outlier mm-hmm. concept, uh, Malcolm Gladwell book, but that I will eventually myelinate these neurons and they'll fire so quick I won't even need to think about what I'm doing. It will be considered habit, uh, a very good habit. But that's a book, easy, maybe 220 pages or something, but it breaks it down and it makes it, I feel like it give a kid hope to go, it's not just, you know, this guy was touching, he's just great. Every player, even LeBron James, is as good a body as he has, he has had to work extremely hard to be who he is. I think that's the message that we need to be sending um, to kids. It's not about where you're at today. Actually, I don't think it's a good indicator that you're going to be really good if you're good now. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you're the best eighth grader now, how many players sustain that for eight more years to get through high school and through college? So I think it's good when your trajectory, you're trending up, you know, you start from here. If you're already a top dog, I think it almost is is against you, you know what I mean, that you have to work from here because you got to keep staying on top. You know, it's maybe hard to get some humility there to where I got to work on this and whatnot. I'm not saying that this is ironclad or 100% guarantee. I'm just telling you, it's hard to maintain that at that point. And if you already think you're good, what's telling you to work on these other things. you got to be a special person, uh, let alone a special player to do
0: that. And what's, ha- what's one habit every, every athlete needs to start?
1: Uh, probably doing something in conditioning-wise, because like I said, I think every kid avoids that. You know, they, the irony, they run away from the conditioning. Mm-hmm. So start doing that. I think any kid today, no matter where their game is at, if they totally focused on conditioning, and getting in better condition, they've gotten better. Let's start that process there. But a lot of people avoid it. They'll be maybe work on their skills, be able to shoot and stuff, but they're not the best condition. Well, as we get going in the game, you're going to taper off and we're out. And all those skills that you think you have, you can't do it. we got to put you under some extreme conditions to do that. That's conditioning. Get your conditioning right first. So I think that was a good habit.
0: And what's one habit every athlete needs to stop?
1: Ooh, (laughs) as soon as you get the ball, putting it down, dribbling (laughs) it. I think that's the first sign of a remedial basketball player is that when you catch the ball, you immediately dribble. The first sign of a remedial basketball player. You catch the ball and you're already dribbling it. So, I mean, a lot of stuff in here, we're already talking about giving goals, and you say we do a lot of three-on-three, no dribbles. The Clay Thompson drill, you know, let's see how you can be really effective in that. Well, I knew that when I was in high school and we did those – Three on three, four on four, with no dribbles. I feel like, oh man, you just hand, you just handcuffed me. You, you just really held my game back. Mm-hmm. No, no, we're just pushing pause here and trying to open up your mind over here, and let's put those back together and figure out, so you can see what works better, what's the best. You don't know the whole game yet, so I think you got to be open to go around coaching and being coached. Uh, you said that earlier, but not a lot of kids want to get coached. Mm-hmm. Being coach means I have to see things and then I got to report them to you. You might not want to hear it, but I have to tell you what I'm seeing.